0: Plugged In Podcast presented by the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Stevens, and I'm a policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research. Joining me today is Robert Bryce. Robert is among the world's foremost experts on energy and power systems and the author of five books and over a thousand published articles on energy. More importantly for today's episode, though, Robert is the narrator, writer, and producer of the new documentary film, Juice, How Electricity Explains the World. Robert, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Alex. Glad to be with you.
0: Yeah, first let me just say congratulations on uh, on producing this documentary. I um uh, we were talking a little bit before the show and I had an opportunity to watch it twice this week and uh, I really can't say enough good things about it. Beyond it just being entertaining and informative, you know, it, it's a pretty unique project I think in that uh it's both very optimistic in tone. And at the same time, it's realistic in the way that it presents some of the challenges and solutions that we face in the energy space here. And uh, that combination is very difficult to pull off. And I just want to say congratulations, because I really think you guys hit a really interesting tone and uh, really did something great with this project.
1: Well, that's great. I, I, You know, we've had a very positive response, and it's been incredibly heartening to have that. Um, because I don't know if you've had this experience, but you work on something for a long time and you're not sure and you're not sure. And you have some friction and, you know, we had friction trying to get, you know, the, <clears throat> the distribution to work out and we had friction on, you know, just some of the, you know, get enough money to make it all happen and everything and to have it receive uh, the warm welcome that it's had has been uh, incredibly gratifying. And, uh, Really exceeded what I i didn't even I couldn't quite imagine how it was going to be received. But uh, anyway, that's very kind. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good place to start, actually, is just, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, before we got started here, it's been like a four or five year process for this. So uh, maybe just a little bit of background on how this came together. What inspired you to make the documentary? And then uh, just talk sure. a little bit about the process of putting it together.
1: Sure. So right about five years ago, I got a contract on another book, um, which also just came out. It was in came out in March. Uh, it's called A Question of Power, Electricity and the Wealth of Nations. And as I started to work on the book, I realized, well, if I'm going to write a book about electricity, I really should think about what other options I have here. And And it just seemed natural to me at the time. Well, I'll make a movie and write a book at the same time. How hard can that be? Well... <laughs> looking back maybe a little insane honestly uh but i i knew from the beginning that i and that when i started this i haven't ever done a documentary before and i just thought well it was the next step in my career that i wanted to have that experience um and so i was very fortunate getting a very good uh colleague uh, tyson culver who directed the film he lives here in austin as well and uh he was just a great partner to have on the project really uh tremendous in terms of being in understanding photography understanding sound understanding direction uh, and so it's really been a great partnership and so uh, a kind of a confluence of events allowed me to 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 do the and uh, been very happy with it
0: yeah, I don't want to uh, I don't want to go through all of the content of the documentary because I really want to encourage our listeners to go and watch the whole thing for themselves, but uh I do think there's, you know, a couple of main themes that we can pull out from the film that uh maybe we can we can sort of outline and just discuss briefly here. You know, wh- one of the first things that jumped out to me is that the film really highlights the disparities between people who have access to affordable and reliable energy and people who don't, and the film captures that I think just perfectly um, in sort of a phrase that comes up on the screen that that is something along the lines of uh, darkness kills human potential, electricity empowers it. How underappreciated is that idea and how important is it to develop the public's understanding of this concept and uh, what you guys uh, go through in the film there?
1: Well, thanks. Because that, I mean, you, you seized on that one moment, which I think is really the emotional heart of the film. Um, we went to India in late 2016 and, uh, I interviewed a woman there named Rahena Jamadar. She was 44 years old when I spoke with her. She had her first child when she was 16 and had lived 30 of her 44 years without electricity. So she'd had electricity for uh, about a third of her life. And as we talked, uh, she told me one of her daughters was going to, to the university and and we talked about lighting and how critical that was for education. And I asked her at one point and I was trans- uh, uh, my friend Ro- Joya Shree Roy was translating in Bengali. And I said to Rahina, Re- if you had had electricity, when you were growing up, would you have gone to the university as well? And she immediately replied, yes, I would have gone. And, and it wasn't bitter. It wasn't just some, Oh, you know, gosh, poor me. Instead, it was just this, of course, I would have gone like I'd asked her if the sun was going to come up in the east tomorrow morning. And it was a few days later when I was in Jaipur. And I realized, well, that was it, right? Darkness kills human potential, and electricity nourishes it. And this woman's potential had been had been stranded in the dark for her whole life, essentially, most of her life. And that that is the key. And that we take electricity for granted here in the U.S. We only notice it when we don't have it, when there's a blackout, right? But for three billion people, and that was the other metric that I thought was key to really making the film understandable, there are three billion people, three point three billion people in the world today who live in places where electricity consumption is less than what was used by my old kitchen refrigerator. I mean, that's the key in terms of global inequality, women's rights, climate change, whatever you care about among those issues, electricity central to all
0: of them. Yeah, and you mentioned you traveled to India for the film on. The- seems like it uh, just the process of putting this together. You you traveled all over the world. uh, No Colorado and Iceland are, are highlighted in there and you go to Lebanon and just kind of traveling all over the place. Um, You know, one of the things that stood out to me, particularly the, the segments in Colorado and Iceland, um, which I thought was really interesting was it's kind of looking at our energy future there and, it does. So through the lens of sort of like emerging cultural and technological trends. So in Colorado, you're looking at the new legal marijuana industry, and then, uh, the segment in Iceland, you're talking about, uh, new technology and cryptocurrency and sort of online privacy movement. Um, I thought that was just like a really great way to appeal to people who generally don't think about the role of energy and sort of looks at those issues in an interesting way. So, uh, how important is sort of messaging on these issues? And with what you're trying to do there, just sort of like re- reach out to people who don't necessarily see the importance of energy to uh, sort of exciting elements of um, of our economy and, sure. and culture. And Well,
1: I think that's key is that one of the ways that I think the film succeeds and, you know, I'm sounds like I'm bragging. Well, okay, if it's bragging, as Dizzy Dean said, if it, it ain't bragging if you can back it up, right? But what I think the film does differently is that it shows, right? It doesn't tell, and that was one of the the processes that we had to go through early on. Was we, I, you know, we kind of envisioned the film. Well, we'll use stats and spreadsheets and charts and stuff to show people about electricity and why it matters. And then once we went to India, we realized, no, 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 we need to tell human stories. We need to tell people stories, and we need to let them tell the people stories, right? That we, if we can introduce some of these people that we, who we know and have met and show them to other people, we can make other people care, right? We can make the viewers care. We can talk about what's going on in Puerto Rico. But if we talk to Aide Torres, or we talk to Iris Ortiz, who was one of the, 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 my favorite interviews, or some of these other people who've been stranded in the dark, that I think is, was the, one of the reasons why the film works is because we didn't tell we showed. And that that is critical for something like this because people just, they forget about electricity. They don't think about it. They don't know what it means And, and because we live in such abundance. So introducing them to other people and showing them people who don't have electricity, introducing the a cannabis grower, introducing the Bitcoin miners. You know, this was, I think, very effective in, in getting that those messages across because people don't know the difference between a watt and a watt hour and they don't want to be bothered with it but if you can tell them that it matters well then that that just changes them and so that's that's been very i, I think was one of the keys to why the film ended up the it's no doubt the one of the, the main reasons why we did the film the way we did
0: and i i just thought it was great the way that you pointed those technologies and sort of made the case that you know a future where we use less electricity um which is usually which is a often kind of a common policy goal or is sort of a framework that some some people think about uh, the future of energy is sort of consumption or um, trying to limit consumption a future where we use less energy um, not just that it's probably a little bit unrealistic but it's less interesting it's less innovative and um, you know even with all the differences that we have in opinion in the energy space it's probably not the direction that most people want to head in.
1: Well, who wants to live in poverty? I mean, that's like, you know, no politician ever got elected by saying, "You know what? I'm going to make things worse." Right. <laughs> you know, that's just it, right? They get elected by saying, "Don't don't don't vote for that other guy. Don't vote for that other gal. Vote for me cuz I'm going to make things better." Nobody ever got elected by saying everything's just fine, right? They're going to make things better. They're going to improve the world. They're going to change things. So, it, it, that 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 that's one of the other key points that we make in the film and it was Roger Pilkey Jr who makes that point which was that no one is going to willingly get poorer everybody wants to get richer this is what he you know he calls it the iron law when when carbon policy or climate policy conflicts with economic growth economic growth will win every time And that's what we're seeing now. It's why Germany is building, uh, just is switching on a new coal-fired power plant. It's why Japan, the home of the Kyoto Protocol, they're building more coal-fired power plants. They're not going to do without electricity. You know, you can say, well, I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up, you know, alcohol or something for Lent, or something else when you make that personal choice. But that is much, much different from saying I'm going to live I'm going to be less prosperous. I'm going to, I'm going to do without air conditioning. Well then, or do without refrigeration. I mean, no, that's, that's going back in time and nobody wants that.
0: Yeah. And I think that directly links to another element of the film that I thought was interesting is that uh, you guys point to the fact that electricity is actually an important aspect of environmental protection, Uh particularly because of um, its ability to promote urbanization. So could you just briefly outline for our listeners the general argument there? It's sort of a sure. co- counterintuitive um, to the way that a lot of people think about that, I think. And,
1: so when you think about <clears throat> electricity and what is it, what is it done? Why, are they, what is it, why has it been so transformative, to use an electricity term, a transformer? Well, it's because it gave us lighting, power, and density. Those are the three key attributes. So lighting that, you know, I explained why it matters and Rehenna Jamadar, right? Well, you had lights at night. Well, that's different, right? But what Edison's great insight, what Edison achieved was divorcing light from fire. For nearly all of human history, we've depended on burning things to get get light, right? Whether it was a coal coal oil lamp, uh, you know, tallow candles, uh, burning natural gas, town gas, you know, whatever it was, we were burning something by the light of the fire in order to read at night, to do chores, you know, pitch, you know, so on. So lighting, power, where you have instant on, instant off, and the, the that, that power that we get, the electric power that we use then to run motors, fundamentally changed industry as thomas as henry ford said it liberated electricity liberated the factory from the line, from the shaft and the line belt right so factories could be set up for optimum output instead of their location to a stream where you'd have a water wheel or a steam engine that was running a large um uh, uh, uh shaft that used belts to run the various machinery off of so electricity and the power that it gave then allowed this the freeing and allowed instant on instance precision dense and 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 that is coupled intimately with the issue of density electricity allows us to concentrate energy flows like no other form of energy much more effective than an internal combustion engine or a steam engine we that is why why do we have lasers because electricity is highly ordered energy the energy that we get by stacking effectively electrons and moving them at nearly the speed of light is unbelievable i mean it just it staggers the mind it's millions of times faster than the fastest horse so what that density of of energy flow has allowed then is the electric motor it allowed then lighting it allowed the skyscraper because electric motors and traction the traction motors allowed elevators well you know, in the cities for all of human history up until the the, the late 1800s, the, the limit to the size of height of buildings was four or five stories because you couldn't walk up that many stairs. People just wouldn't do it. But after electricity came along, the elevator, now some elevators were powered by steam engines, right? They had crank and elaborate mechanisms. But the electric elevator pioneered by Frank Sprague changed all of that. And it fundamentally changed the shape and size of the city. Because it suddenly allowed cities to grow skyward, because the elevator made vertical transportation possible and made it possible to make it very fast and safe, and that that just fundamentally changed how humans live.
0: Yeah, and I think going back to just all the traveling that you did for the documentary, was um, there something that you learned in the course of making the film that really took you by surprise? I guess, and um, sure, you know, is there something that maybe? deserves more of our attention than maybe we give yeah. it in the in the popular conversation.
1: Well, I think the one thing that I come back to in terms of that idea about surprise was that I thought I knew poverty. I thought I knew what, you know, poor how for, poor people live, how poor folks live. I didn't know. I mean, I I was naive and to see people and I'd seen it some in in Central America in Guatemala and 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 other places but and Panama, but going to India and seeing the 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 depth of the poverty there, that you know, I, I didn't understand that, and 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 was naive in thinking that I did, and you know, it changed me, and it, and it changed me in a way that I it gave me much more empathy and understanding of why people will do whatever they have to do to get the electricity they need. They're just not going to live in the dark. They're not going to just say, oh, we're fine here. No, they're going to struggle. They're going to they're gonna do whatever they have to do to get the energy that they need, whether it's in in the form of firewood, dung, propane, electricity, you name it. They're not happy being powerless.
0: You know, going off that, one of my favorite sort of aspects of the film is that it really wasn't interested in rehashing sort of old political arguments that have gone on for probably decades now. Um, and you know, there's certainly discussions about government and politics in the film. Uh, but I walked away from it really feeling like what you guys wanted to do is set out some sort of common ground by establishing the idea that that electricity is sort of the key to modernity and prosperity. And if you could just talk a little bit about what, what it was like to get all these different people together, um, interview them, I'm, I'm sure, in a lot of cases, you know, if, if you had all those people in the same room together, they wouldn't agree on everything. But it really felt like the film rallied around the idea of energy and electricity being a very sort of important emancipatory technology for humanity.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I like that word emancipatory. I'm not. <laughs> that's, did you make that one up? That's a good word. I like it. But I, the way I'd read it back to you, Alex, would just say simply that it's power equals power. That, that energy, the ability to make energy flow, right? Energy is the ability to do work. Power is the rate at which work gets done. Our ability to make energy flow is key. We're, we're the fire makers, right? Well, that's who we are. We do this because it's, it's ingrained in us. And I think that, you know, I appreciate your comment about, yeah, we didn't, we didn't set out to make a political film. And I think the film is pretty much down the middle. And what's been embraced much more by the pro-nuclear left, which is not a big group, but but the pro-nuclear left saying, yeah, we're in favor of this, right? Yeah. Um, and making the point we can't just rely on renewables. But I guess my bottom line when it, you know, to respond to what how you couched it is we need a humanist ethic to guide our energy policies. We need We need more electricity, not just a little bit. We need a ton more. We need terawatt scale more electricity because there's so many people like Rahena Jamadar in little places like Majlis Bukur who are living in the dark. And they should have the, the opportunity because elect- to, do, to, to make themselves as much of themselves as they can. So this is one of the great, great challenges of our time, bringing these billions out of the dark and into modernity. And we, have to, we need a humanist ethic, not one that says, oh, we're going to deny them electricity or oh we have too much co2 or using too much hydrocarbons no 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 we need a humanist
0: ethic first i couldn't agree more with that uh you know certainly with when it comes to i guess sort of developing countries too there's always a challenge of wanting to wanting to help help a country you know progress along and develop but at the same time it's uh very hard for people to step into a culture or something and sort of direct things the right way what are your thoughts in terms of the future for countries in developing areas of the world, are there challenges there in terms of the way that people, I guess, from developed countries have stepped in there? And what do you see as being important to highlight there?
1: Well, that's a good question, because one of the real difficulties in 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 solving this problem of electricity poverty is that there's no one size fits all. There's no easy answer for all of these people. It, it all, you know, how do you electrify India? How do you electrify Bangladesh and Pakistan and, and uh, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, Burkina Faso and, and all these other places where they're living in the dark? Well, it's hard. It's going to be hard. And one of the key problems or one of the key challenges, and I, I, I talk about it uh, a little bit in the film. I talk about it more in, in my book, A Question of Power, is integrity. And that's not something that can be imposed from outside. It's something that has to be born within a different a, a society. So what did we see in Lebanon? What do we see in, in Beirut? Well, the society is so corrupt, and it's because of this tribalism, right? There's the, it, roughly, the country's roughly a third Christian, a third Shia, and a third Sunni. And they don't trust each other and never have. And they've had civil war for a long time and it breaks down the country breaks down along sectarian lines so the system in lebanon has no integrity and the grid reflects that lack of integrity because the people who live in the hezbollah controlled parts of beirut don't pay their electric bill they pay nothing and hezbollah essentially whenever the 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 central government in in beirut says you need to pay your electric bill hezbollah responds by saying oh yeah sure yeah if you make us pay that electric bill we're gonna Declare a general strike and we'll shut down the city. How's that sound? And then the guys, the, the government says, no, 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 it's okay. We'll, we'll let you have free electricity still. But that integrity in the system is the hardest part. And if you don't have integrity, then you can't raise the capital and you can't get the fuel. And you have to have capital to build the plants and put up the power lines and you need the fuel to keep it all running. So integrity is the hardest problem.
0: I did appreciate that, though, in, in the segment in Lebanon, you had, um, you highlighted sort of entrepreneurs who were. Sort of working around that system, obviously, as you just sort of outlined there, there's corruption issues and things. Um, I really felt like a interesting part of the film was highlighting the, uh, I forget what you call them in the film, but the, the groups of people who were setting up the generators and sort of. Um, the, the generator mafia. Yeah as well as some of the other companies that you highlighted uh, who are working on like metering technologies and stuff. I thought that that really spoke to, even when there's institutional problems, people are still creative enough to sort of work around those issues. And electricity is so important that they're going to find a way somehow to, uh, to get their hands on services that they need there.
1: Right. Well, and that's just exactly it that, that, and it's one of the points that, that Pilkey makes, although not in exactly the same way, but, that people are going to do whatever they have to do to get the electricity they need. And if that means stealing it, they will steal it. And, And that's what we saw in India, where in some rural areas in India, the amount of electricity that's stolen is 40 or 50%. Well, that's staggering. And that's similar in terms of the lack of integrity that we saw in Beirut. It's similar to what I write about in the book, a little bit about, what happened in Iraq after Saddam Hussein was captured and hanged? Well, electricity theft in Iraq was virtually zero when Saddam Hussein ruled the country. Why? Because you didn't want to steal from Saddam. He, you know, think bad things might happen. But after Saddam was apprehended and after he was he was hanged, well, then people say, "Well, there's nobody in charge. Well, I'll just tap into this electric line," and that's what they've done. And so, again, this this idea of integrity is central to how the system works. People have to believe in the system. And if they don't believe the system is legit, well, then what, who cares? Well, I'll just steal some electricity. Nobody's going to notice, you know, doesn't require putting a gun in somebody's face. You know, it's a victimless crime, or at least it seems like it. And, and I can understand why people think that way. But I mean, this, 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 this challenge of, 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 of integrity is one that is, is really, really difficult.
0: With any big project like this, um, I'm sure there's something that didn't make it into the film that was probably really hard to to cut or let go. Uh, Was there anything that didn't make it into the documentary that you either are like really excited to follow up on, and some other work, or something that you'd want to share here?
1: Well, sure. I mean, one of the things that the segments we had a couple of segments that we wanted to do that we just had to cut for time, and one of them was on the coal business and. We don't talk about coal much in the United States anymore. It's you know gas has largely displaced coal in the in the power gen market, but still today, uh, latest BP data, about 38% of all the electricity in the world is still generated with coal, and it's been at that level for 30 years. And we interviewed several people in India who talked about coal and the coal market and the importance of coal. So I I was hoping to include that, but again, it was, we just couldn't cover everything. Uh, The other was that we had a segment teed up on the electricity use of the big tech companies. Um, uh, Apple, Alphabet, uh, Amazon, Facebook, and Microsoft, they use as much electricity together as the whole country of Denmark, and they all have their own electric grids. And so to me, that was just a, you know, I, I, you know, of course, whether other people would find that as interesting as I do, I don't, you know, I don't know. I can't wager on that. Probably they won't. But how have these tech companies become so gigantic? Well, it's because they've been able to harness enormous amounts of electricity, and they've been able to do so because they've effectively created their own electric grids. So every data center they operate has its own backup system. So, you know, we think of these, oh, these are clean companies, you know, this is Silicon Valley, they're cool, they're groovy, you know, they don't have any environmental footprint. It's just not true. They have a big environmental footprint, but because they're claiming to use renewables and they're claiming to use wind and everything, we kind of give them a pass. Well, I don't know if that pass is deserved.
0: Yeah, I want to give you just sort of the last word to mention anything that we haven't covered here about the film that you'd want our listeners to know. But uh, where can people go to watch the film? And then um, I'm sure your focus right now is just promoting this, but uh, do you have anything coming down the line um sure. that you're working on that
1: yeah well that exactly this is the most important thing you you don't have to watch it you just have to buy it um <laughs> you have to rent it um itunes amazon prime it's on a number of other streaming platforms you can find us on the web at juicethemovie.com if you want to follow up on on me and my writing and my work uh robert uh there are links to the film on my website as well but uh yeah, I'm I'm thrilled to have your you know your you know have this time with you and be able to talk about it. But yeah, I'd love to have people watch it and and get engaged with the film and uh, and I think it uh, I think they'll be happy uh, and glad they did so.
0: And my guest today has been Robert Bryce. The new film is Juice: How Electricity Explains the World. Robert, thank you again for taking the time to talk today.
1: Thanks a million, Alex.